Hey listeners, just a quick moment to talk to you about ShipStation. When you're selling online, getting your orders out can be a real pain. That's why you need ShipStation.com. It's the fastest, easiest, and most affordable way to manage and ship your orders. No matter where you're selling, Amazon, Etsy, or your own website, ShipStation brings all your orders into one simple interface. ShipStation helps you get orders out quickly, save money on shipping costs, and keep your customers happy. And right now, listeners to the Next Wall Podcast, Nanny Blue Wire Podcast, can try ShipStation for free for 60 days when you use promo code BLUE. There's absolutely no risk. You can start your free trial without even entering your credit card info. ShipStation works with all the major carriers, including USPS, FedEx, UPS, even Amazon Fulfillment. So you can compare and choose the best shipping solution for you and your customer. No wonder ShipStation is the number one choice of online sellers. You'll ship more in less time with the best rates available. Just visit ShipStation.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in BLUE. That's ShipStation.com, then enter promo code BLUE. ShipStation.com. Make ship happen. Welcome back to the TKW Draft Season Podcast, presented by the Knicks Wall Podcast and Blue Wire Podcast. Joining me today, we have a full house. First off, we got, joining me again, Harley Geffner. Harley, what's good? Yeah. What's up, what's, what's up? up? Next up, Flex Queen herself, Jess Reinhardt. Jess, how you doing? <laughs> what's going on, man? How are you? Pretty good. Just a little exhausted from that finals game. <laughs> I feel you. And coming up next, first time on the pod. You guys, I hope you guys read his John Morant profile. It was great. If you haven't, make sure you check it out and check out everything else he's written. He's awesome. Quentin Haynes. Quentin, what's good? How you doing, man? Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Always, always. And last but certainly not least, Eli Cohen. Eli, what's up? Hey, long-time listener, first-time caller. I'm excited to be here. (laughs) Yes, nailed it. Excited to have you. Okay, so for those... Not aware. We're making a. We put out a mock draft on the nextwall.com. You should be getting it around the same time you're hearing this. So what we did, we mocked the full lottery. Each of us had our own picks, and there were trades, there were questionable calls, and everything in between. So what we're going to do here is just go through the picks, give our rationale, and the flex queen will give us a grade on each pick. Simple enough, right? I like it. All right, let's get started. Start out with first overall pick, Quentin. You had the Pelicans. What'd you do there? Let me guess. <laughs> I, I just took Zion. I don't want to mix it up and make it anything crazy. Clearly, he's the best player in this draft in the Pelicans. Uh, they're going to need a star now after the whole Anthony Davis news that came out today. So I want Zion. Can't argue that. Jess, what do you think of uh, Quentin's GM? Well, the only reason I can't give it an A is because he's not coming to the Knicks. <laughs> but... I mean, you you just you gotta go with with who's number one, right? I mean, there's no question at this point. So yeah. good job, Q. Thank you. Yeah, I figure that's probably gonna be the least talked about one. All right, so the second pick, there was a trade here. Harley originally had the Memphis Grizzlies, and I had the Phoenix Suns at six. I traded. So Harley, I'll start kick it off to you first. 
What was your rationale for moving? So, um, as the Grizzlies, you know, I, I'm, I need a point guard to replace Mike Conley. Um, John Morant had been rumored to go to, you know, that they were in, that the Grizzlies were infatuated with him. Um, he's obviously a great player, but it would be mismanagement to not field offers. And I know that the Suns are desperate for a point guard too. So that was my very first call. I, I went straight to Mike and I said, what can I get for John Morant? Um, we worked out a little deal. Um, there was some bargaining involved. Uh, I really wanted Mikhail Bridges. Um, Mikhail Bridges, um, he was trying to give me Josh Jackson and a second round pick plus six. Um, but we, we ended up agreeing on Phoenix gives me number six overall, Mikhail Bridges. And, a tw- and, and here's the kicker, the 2020 first round pick. It's top 10 protected, but it goes unprotected in 2021. And then I get a 2020 second rounder as well. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I love the defensive versatility that uh, Mikhail and, and Jaron Jackson give you. I still come out with the number six overall pick here. And also that, 20, that first round pick I'm getting is super valuable um, because it's top 10 protected next year. So it's very possible that Phoenix is pretty bad next year, ends up top 10, and then it goes unprotected in a stacked 2021 draft. Um, so what is it? And Cade Cunningham is in, the, is in the 2021 draft. I mean, there's a possibility that that pick ends up the best piece out of everyone here. Um, I'm personally not sold on, on Morant ever becoming a plus defender, so he'd really, really have to make it up on the offensive end. Um, yeah, I think I, think I, still, I think I came out on top on this trade regardless of having to pass on, the, you know, on one of the best point guards in this draft. Well, it would be very Suns-ish to lose this trade, but my rationale for it was they have Devin Booker already on that max deal. We've already seen how quick superstars' patience runs out, so I felt like it's kind of like a semi-all-in move, but not really because they really need Ja or someone like Job. Is Right now it's just Booker and Aiton. I didn't want to give up Mikel. I fought hard against that. But in the end, you just have to go all in. I don't like Kobe White, which was would be their other option. And waiting another year to suck is just, I feel like that's not really in Phoenix's cards right now. So it is a heavy price, but I think Jaws just that good that it's worth it. Yeah, it was a bold move for sure. Hey, got to swing for the fences, especially if you stink <laughs> like the Suns do. Jess, what do you got? All right, so first, I'm going to grade Harley on the trade. So I love this trade, Harley, especially I'm cheating and looking at who you got at six. Uh, We'll save that for then, though. Um, I do love uh, McCall Bridges. Um, Man, I just – I really like this trade. I I like the trade for for both parties. Um, Jaw and Booker sounds like a ton of fun. Um, so would love to see that. So I'm, I'm going to give an A all around on this one. Nice, nice. And Quentin, before we move on, Quentin, so you covered Ja for your profile. How do you like him and Booker together? I think it's an interesting fit because I think Ja profiles to be more of like that, that guard that controls the ball. It does put Booker back in a situation where he works a little bit more off ball. And after two years of him kind of figuring himself out as a creator, I think that's probably the best thing for him. Um, I think it would be a good fit. Yeah, there are questions about the defense long term, but I think Morant is someone who can figure it out on defense. And once you figure it out, you then have Morant, Booker, Aiton as your three. I think you can fill the pieces in from there. So I actually like the combination of Booker and Morant. 
Yeah, and I think this is also a good chance, if this were to happen, for Josh Jackson to finally step up. He's kind of been a nobody for the most part. I mean, he is supposed to be a defensive stopper, and this, I mean, with that lineup, you wouldn't really need to have another score. You just need a guy who just locks down and could shoot threes. So maybe he could finally become the three and D guy we thought he was. I don't know. Yeah, I can see that. I think some. I think with with Jackson, what happened is when he got there, he kind of expected a larger role, and it quickly became that he just doesn't have the efficiency to do it. Even though he shot poorly like the last couple of years, I really think he does a bunch of things well. He can play the four. Uh, he gives them that second guard. He's still big. I think if hypothetically if this trade were to happen, I think something along the lines of forcing him to play more four and getting Monty Williams to help him become a, a bigger wing would be kind of interesting for his game. Yeah, now I kind of want this trade to really happen. <laughs> Um, next up, we got the Knicks. Eli, what'd you do there? All right. So I took RJ Barrett. Now I'm not the biggest RJ Barrett fan. There are a lot of people who are higher on him than I am, but at this point, after taking some big swings in the last couple of drafts on Frank Nilakina and Kevin Knox and coming up with, you know, generously question marks on both of them, you know, the, the Knicks need someone who is good and RJ Barrett is undeniably good. He is, uh, a really good secondary facilitator. I think he can smooth out the jump shot. I think he will be a plus shooter in his career. And he's got great physical gifts. I think if he can lock in, he'll be a really good defender. Uh, so I think he can fit really well next to Knox. I think he can fit really well next to Kevin Durant, should he come to the Knicks this summer. Uh, and I think he, you know, to quote the man, he's built for this. I think he's ready to play in New York and, he will give them, you know, someone with a high ceiling. Like, a, he, I don't think he can be the best player on a championship team, but I think he can absolutely be the second or third best player on a championship team, you know, years down the line. Uh, so I think that the Knicks just shouldn't overthink this. You just got to take RJ. Yeah, and have the recent news with Kyrie more interested in the Nets, possibly Durant not even coming back. He just looks like he tore his Achilles or something pretty bad. So does that make you waver on RJ a little bit, or does it say, like, okay, I definitely want this guy over, say, someone like Culver? I mean, I go back and forth on RJ versus Culver, like, every single day. But I think, you know, RJ has the youth on his side. He's got the the pedigree of being a high prospect since he's in, you know, on the scene in general. I love Culver's game. I think he would be a better complimentary piece in like a super team than RJ. But if you're going young, then I think RJ is the guy you want to build around and just hope that he can become the guy that, you know, he looks like he can become, especially in the games when Zion was out. Eli, do, you want to, do you want to talk about some of the trade negotiations that went on yeah, with the, the third pick? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I think the Knicks are happy with what they got. You know, they it would have been nice to uh, to recoup some assets, but I think you know it, we we talked with Atlanta about picking up those later picks, but you know the value to get you know two mid to late round lottery picks. I, like I said, the Knicks need talent and they need high ceiling talent. And while Cam Reddish is fun and Jackson Hayes is a good player they need someone who can be a star. Because right now it doesn't look like Kevin Knox is going to be a star. Frank Nilkeen is not going to be a star. They need someone who they can really build around. And RJ is marketable, and he's got the skill set. 
if he can put it together, he is going to be a stud. Yeah, I think that Atlanta trade is, I think that holds a little more value if you definitely know you're getting two stars maybe because my dream scenario would be Brandon Clark and whatever other score you want as like a bench piece. But I feel like we can't bank on that anymore. Yeah, you can't bank on that. And you know, with Mitch as basically the one cornerstone on the team right now, like I think we just you need wings and you need guards. And RJ can kind of slide between both of those roles. Like I said, he can really facilitate well, which, you know, given how many guys on that team are sort of two first guys. Like I know RJ has the the reputation of being a bit of a chucker, a bit of a ball hog. But I think we saw him really adapt his game once he realized he wasn't the best player on Duke, which, you know, was the first time in his life that he's ever not been the best player on the floor. And I think we really saw him kind of come alive. So I think, like, if you're putting him next to Dennis Smith Jr., if you're putting him next to Kevin Knox, Lonzo Trier, like, these are guys who want to shoot. So having a guy who can really open up the floor with his driving and passing is going to be huge for them. Yeah, definitely agree. Jess, what do you got for uh, Eli's pick? Yeah, I mean, at this point, I'm I'm all in on the Maple Mamba. Um, <laughs> it, it's taken me a little bit, but I, you know, I think Eli made some great points just in terms of uh, like when Zion won out, the type of games that that RJ had, um, and the type of of piece that he can be moving forward. Um, I think it's kind of a no brainer. Also, doesn't hurt that uh, today was when he had his Knicks workout and he's saying things like, this is the place I want to be now. Who's not going to say that? I understand. But he's the one saying it right now. So I'm all in. Yeah. And Harley, just before we move on, I know you're a big Culver guy. What do you think about, like, do you buy that Culver is not a good piece if nobody comes? Because, I mean, I feel that way, but... Do you think Culver has the chance to be where, like Eli said, I, which I agree with, that he could be the second or third best player on a championship team if need be? Mostly second best? I mean, second or third. I mean, I'm not sure I'm completely there with Culver yet. Um, but, I mean, the thing is that you, when you, if you draft Culver, you're not expecting him to be a primary initiator on his rookie, on his rookie contract, right? Like, you want to put him in a situation where he's yeah. playing off the ball and he can focus on defense, you know, doing what he does best. He takes so much pride in his defense and his team defense especially. Um, I think he'd be great for like for someone like Knox to learn from, you know, like pick up team defensive tendencies. Um, yeah, but uh, I don't. I mean, he's not going to be like the score right off the bat that like RJ is. So I mean, you know, Knicks fans always want you know some some real punch. Uh, you know, it's not going to come from Culver immediately. I think eventually he can get he can get somewhere, um, maybe to a primary initiator, but that's you know very 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 top top percentile outcome. But um, I mean, where I am at with at with this debate is that, you know, I'd rather have a really, really good secondary or tertiary piece than a not amazing primary piece. And that's what I, that, that's what I think it yeah. might end up coming down to. Yeah, the safety net. I, I mean, for me, it's all about safety net. Yeah, I mean, I don't even think that Culver's necessarily this, like the safer pick either. I mean, well, he is a safer pick, but I mean, I don't think he has necessarily like a lower a lower ceiling than RJ either. It's just a different, a completely different development curve. Yeah, it's it's it depends on what you want. Like if like you said, he, Culver's going to start out as a better defender. RJ is going to turn out start out as a better scorer. So it's kind of like pick your poison. Yeah, it's a tough choice for sure. All right, so 
Let's move on to the Lakers pick. I had that pick, and I went with Darius Garland. Now, my rationale, I was it was coming down between him and Culver. Culver should be the pick, but for some reason, I know Garland's a clutch guy. Rich Paul stinks at his job, so I knew it was going to I think the Lakers board is Cam or Garland, the two clutch guys. And last, last year, we saw the Lakers just couldn't shoot the basketball. And Garland, if you haven't checked out Coles Wicker's Po, uh, article on Garland about making reads. I don't really think you could trust Garland as a main distributor or lead guard. So I think here you pair him with Lonzo. He adds three point shooting. He gives he could be a scorer, kind of what CJ McCollum is for Portland. And now you have a decent shooter around LeBron for once. I think I gotta go B plus on this here, Mike. Okay. I uh, you know you're still doing all right, uh, but I just. Man, not taking Culver there, it hurts me. It hurts me inside a little bit. It is a smart uh, pick. But I, I understand. I mean, it's crazy how just the fact that he's a clutch guy like actually does mean so much. And it's just bananas to me. But it's it's true. Um, man, that's tough look for my guy, Jared. But it'll be all right. How's everybody else feel about Garland? I feel like it's not a consensus pick at all. He can really go anywhere within these next like three or four picks. Um, I can see the Bulls kind of selling themselves on him being the lead guard and him and Levine controlling the offense. I can see the Suns taking him uh, in a hype in an actual draft. I can see. I mean, I think the way Cleveland is built. I can't see them taking him, but he would make some sense alongside Sexton. I just think there are a lot of different landing points for Garland, and because he got hurt, he his stock is the most murkiest at the moment, even with the clutch ties. Yeah, he's kind of an unknown man because we kind of based everything off of his high school highlights and four games at Vanderbilt against lesser opponents aside from you. I think USC was probably his best opponent. For sure. He really didn't play much. Um, I do think people are a little bit excited. Like I've seen comps to like Damian Lillard. I think that's a bit strong, but he certainly has that shooting profile that you want from a point guard these days. Yeah, he is super smooth. I, I do agree. Lillard is very ambitious. I think it came mostly because he had a lot of step-back threes at Vanderbilt, and that's become Damian's <laughs> yeah. trademark. But uh, all right, let's move on to number five. Who had that one? Okay, yeah, so this is where shit gets a little wild. So I think, Q, did you I have Quentin, Did you have? Yeah, I had five. The cab? And then I traded back. So you okay. want me to explain the rationale behind that? Yeah, yeah. Here's okay, here. so I'll just, get, I'll just lay the groundwork. So the Cavs had the fifth pick. They traded down to seven. And they added Chris Dunn to the package. So now Cleveland has Sexton and Chris Dunn. I'm thinking right, that Beeline just wants some ball handlers in the backcourt. And with Sexton and Dunn, you kind of have the lead guard and you have the secondary ball handler who can just move the ball on the perimeter. Um, I also think that Dunn's defensive abilities, while a little bit overrated, he's still a solid defender. And I think one of the things you saw last season was the Cavs were a bit of a conga line. A lot of guards are just getting to the basket at will. So at least putting Dunn there, he's still on his rookie deal, I believe. He should have one more year. At least cheap defense, I think that's valuable. And maybe the idea is that they could flip him down the line as a defensive specialist for a team in the playoffs. 
That's really it. <laughs> <laughs> now, I mean, I do like Dunn. I'm mm. not going to lie. So what about Dunn made you like him over Culver? Or was it just adding Dunn plus the pick? Uh, it was essentially Dunn plus the pick. Um, okay. I think Culver, I actually think the Knicks should take Culver at three. However, I also think that there's a little bit of Evan Turner in his game in that I can see him not shooting well. And because he can pass, he can still make plays on the floor. But I question his, I, I, I question the jump shot a little bit. Um, I think he's going to be good defensively. But I think with the Cavs having so many needs, I, I just went back. I feel like there's a better play on the, in the, on the board, and I can get him at seven. So I just took the defensive weapon uh, in Dunn, and I just moved back knowing I got a better play on the board. Gotcha, gotcha. So Eli, you had you were the one that traded up. What'd you end up doing with that pick? So I did take Culver. Uh, I had this plan, this trade planned out since when I first saw that I had the Bulls. Uh, although I will <laughs> say that the Lakers taking Garland sort of threw a wrench in the operation, since the plan was to move up to five to take Garland, kind of round out their core of a five with Garland, Levine, Porter, Markinen, and Carter. Garland was off the board, so we have to take Culver now. His fit with Levine is not even close to perfect. Like, neither of them are a point guard. They still need a point guard. That's a problem. But at the same time, uh, I had to put it on the table. And since Quinton took it, then Culver is just too high a, a profile prospect to pass up. I think that his fit with those other guys Levine excluded is really good. And if they could get that primary ball handler that they're looking for, I think that that could be a really good core to build around moving forward. Kind of a, a two-way core. Everyone can shoot. Everyone can pass. Everyone can attack off a closeout. Now, I think Levine has a lot, even though he's on a pretty awful contract, I think he does have value and appeals to team that is desperate for scoring. Like he just had a, a really good year coming off an injury. He can shoot from deep. He can, you know, he's not a point guard, but he can make some passes and make some reads. I think maybe you try them out. You see if that backcourt can work. I don't really think it can, but I think that you can probably flip Levine for something interesting for like to a team that is hard up for scoring and needs a little bit of like pop in their rotation. So I think that you just, you take the talent that Culver has and you worry about the fit, you know, later on in the summer. Yeah, I feel like if you're the Bulls, you just got to acquire as many assets as possible. So, especially when they're that bad. So, Jess, what do you got for uh, the trade and the picks? Yeah. Uh, so when I was <clears throat> reading over the the, uh, the whole rundown here, and I was f- trying to follow the the trades, uh, I was definitely very surprised. Especially when I just saw Chris Dunn's name there, I was like, "What is what is happening here?" Um, <laughs> But I I like like the idea of Chris Dunn playing for John Beeline. It is still crazy to me that Beeline is the Cavs coach, and I don't think it will stop be, being crazy until like halfway through next season or something. Um, so do do like the thought of that, um, and yeah, as Eli pointed out, like if it had worked out the way he thought and. Garland was there. I really, really would have liked that. Um, Cause as he's point, pointed out as well, they're still lacking in the, 
in the point guard department. Um, so Levine and Culver together, that's, that's interesting. Um, I don't love it, but I don't, I don't hate it either. Uh, so we'll, we'll go with solid B all around. Tough but fair. Yeah, it's an interesting backcourt. It's because it's kind of like the same argument where Culver, I mean, it just depends on what Culver would be asked to do. If who's going to be the distributor in that team, that's, I think it would have to be Culver, which he kind of did have to do at Texas tech anyway. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I don't hate it. All right. So six pick Harley, you traded back. So what are you going to yeah. do with the Grizzlies? Well, I was trying to deal this pick too, actually, but you guys weren't having it. Um, <laughs> but so, Either way, I had to address point guard because it seems like the writing's kind of on the wall with Mike Conley. You know, um, I think we're pretty much entering a full rebuild at this point. Uh, Conley still has uh, another year at twenty-five million, or what is it? It was uh, no thirty-two million next year, and then a thirty-four million dollar uh, early termination option in twenty twenty-one. Um, so either way, we're probably looking to deal him and acquire more assets. So we kind of need a uh, need a point guard in the meantime. Um, we got my, we got Mikael Bridges and Jaron Jackson Jr., who are both super versatile defenders. So I felt comfortable with taking Kobe White here um, out of UNC. Um, for now, until Conley's traded, he works as a pretty perfect mentor to White, right? Because he, it, I mean, like assuming like if they were to keep keep Conley through the trade deadline, maybe um, Conley works really really well as somebody who can be the more ball dominant lead guard next to Kobe White because he's not really there with his decision-making and his reads. Um, Cole touched on this a little bit in the same, in the Garland piece too, but like, so that one of the best indicators of being able to make high level reads is like cross court, one handed skip passes, essentially like hitting the corner after you break down the defense, you're coming around a pick and roll. Um, and Kobe white made like zero of those passes last year. Um, Conley's pretty shifty in the similar way that Kobe is. So I think they could work pretty well together. Um, but yeah, Conley's eventually going to be gone. Um, so you want a point guard that you can hopefully groom into the point guard of the future. Um, his defense, he's, he's a super aggressive defender. Like sometimes he's too aggressive. Like he'll get out of position with his feet and stuff, but he's just like so active and energetic at the point of attack, um, that I do buy his defense. Um, but his off ball awareness is a little bit off cause he can, he can, you know, mess up with his positioning sometimes, um, by overhelping, but you know, the energy and the efforts there, he has a super high motor, you love to see that, um, you know, he's a, he's a pretty lethal pull-up shooter and he really loves splitting defenders out of the pick and roll, which is like a really fun thing to watch. Um, I think this sets up Memphis pretty well for the future. And also like, because they're not really trying to compete right now, stockpiling assets, it's pretty much the best move. And they got some big assets out of the trade. Yeah. I like, I like his size. I do. I do think he could score. I'm still, the jury's still on whether he could become the lead guard. Eli, you passed on, Kobe White. So, what was your rationale for? I mean, was it just Culver being better, or were you not sold on Kobe White next to Zach Levine? I would say both. Uh, I mean, I think Culver is considerably better. Uh, I like White a decent amount. I think that he can, at the very least, be a really good bench scorer. I think he has potential to be a solid starting point guard in the league. But yeah, that defense with between him, Levine, and Markin, and I would just be terrified. Like that, that team can shoot but that's just going to be a layup line on the other end of the floor every single time. So I think I had to go with the guy who gives me a little bit of two-way versatility. Part of the reason that I wanted Culver on that Bulls team over a guy like Zach Levine is I want guys who, you know, eventually can be making an impact in the playoffs. And I think that Culver offers a greater possibility of that than White does. 
Yeah, I agree 100% on that. Um, I mean, like I said, Jerry's still out on Kobe White. But for Memphis, I do like it. You got Jaron Jackson there. So I feel like any guard is going to look better just playing next to him. And like you said, Mikel's there. Jess, what do you got for uh, the grade for Harley's pick? Yeah, I mean, like I alluded to in the beginning when we were talking about the trade, like I really like Kobe White. Um, I wasn't sold on him starting out the season. I didn't know a lot about him going into the college season. Um, but, man, he is just – he's so quick, so fast. Um, like Harley said, the, the way he can split defenders in like a pick-and-roll setting is just – really fun to watch um and you know with the addition of McCall and they already have uh Jaron Jackson Jr. um like you said like they can I think kind of hide maybe his defensive liabilities a little bit more than almost any other team with those types of young guys um and getting to learn from Mike Conley I mean I think it's I think it's a win all around yeah, Conley is a big selling point with this pick for me because I've, I've he's probably he was one of my favorite point guards back when the Grizzlies were like the grindhouse. So I think he's one of the more cerebral point guards as well. So maybe a couple years, I mean, I, not a couple years, but even a couple months learning under him maybe could do wonders. Back to draft season in a moment. But first, Blue Wire is teaming up with Harry's to make sure our listeners are shaving comfortably. Go to harrys.com slash bluewire to save $10 on a value trial set, which includes a five-blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade, the rich lathering shave gel, and a travel blade cover. You get all that for just $3 shipped right to your door. Enough with the cheap razors. It's totally worth trying Harry's. Harry's is fixed shaving by combining a simple, clean design with quality and durable blades at a fair price. Harry's founders were tired of paying for razors that were overpriced and overdesigned. So Harry's bought a world-class blade factory in Germany that's been making quality blades for over 95 years. Join the 10 million who have tried Harry's. Claim your trial offer by going to harrys.com slash bluewire. All of Harry's blades come with a 100% quality guarantee. If you don't love your shave, let them know and they'll give you a full refund. Again, make sure you go to harrys.com slash bluewire to redeem your razor for $3. All right, moving on to seven. Quentin, you moved down. So who's that good player you took? I took Brandon Clark from Gonzaga. Um, I think he's probably the second or third best player in this draft. I think for someone who can come in and contribute right away, he's probably an excellent fit. The Cavs are a weird team because they just have a lot of different pieces that they need to sort out. Tristan Thompson is close to free agency. Kevin Love is there. They just gave Larry Nash Jr. a decent contract. But I think with – Beeline there, and I just think with a change in the whole staff and organization, I think they're going to try to look for a high ceiling guy who they can assist Kevin Love with in trying to rebuild. So I think Clark is the best player remaining on the board, and I think his ceiling is high enough to where he can be a very good role player once Cleveland kind of figures out their front court mess. I absolutely love that pick. It's definitely my favorite pick of the top 10. Harley, how did it feel to get cooked? Yo, I was so mad. This is probably <laughs> the pick that made everybody in this draft, like in, in our little like Slack chat, like pissed off. There's so many people <laughs> yelling expletives at Q after this shit. But um, yeah, I mean, at the Atlanta Hawks at 8 and 10, I tried pretty hard to deal these picks, but didn't find a deal I liked enough. Um, and I was really kind of banking on doing Clark. And then uh, one of Reddish or Hunter on the wing. Um, 
But, you know, without Clark, I turned my attention to Jackson Hayes. Um, the fact that one of Reddish and Hunter were not already off the board at eight was a surprise to me. Um, so I had them pretty neck and neck. Um, so I figured with the 10th pick, I can still grab one of the two of them. And, it, you know, um, and I was worried that Washington might take, might take Hayes. Um, but, yeah, I, I, like, I like Hayes for Atlanta. Um, you know, he's a fluid, he's fluid as a big man. He has really soft hands. So he's like a really good lob, lob target for Trey young. Um, defensively, he's still a project. Um, but I, I mean, I like him. He showed, he showed really good instincts. Uh, when I watched like Texas games, he would know, like he would do like the hard hedge coming, coming out on like a shoot on like a, a guard who was a shooter. And then he would play drop coverage really well against guards who are more slashers. Um, so the fact that he had those instincts about him, I really liked. He's really fun, like sprinting full speed. Like he, he kind of he moves like a guard. Like he's just so fluid the way he moves. Um, and you see it on the defensive and the offensive end. Like I've seen him get like a you know huge chase down blocks running at full speed. And then also I've seen him take it coast to coast and hit like a euro step in transition. And I'm like, this is a seven footer. Um, so he's got real he's got real potential. I like him a lot. Um, you know he'll be playing with John Collins, which is kind of fun because Collins kind of proved himself a pick and pop threat. Um, so Atlanta loves those like little horn sets uh, where they got the two picks coming from uh, both both uh, Collins Collins and Hayes, and then Hayes can Hayes can you know run 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 to the rim and uh, Collins pop out. I think it's a good pick here, and I'll still have uh, one of the two of Reddish and Hunter on the board at ten. Yeah, and as someone who saw, I mean, when you watch Trey Young, there were so many plays where he had a gorgeous feat to Alex Len, and that big dope would just <laughs> either rim off just completely whiff (laughs) or just do something stupid. So I think he has really soft hands for a big man and give, I do think he's going to be the pick at 10 in the real draft, but I mean, to get him here at eight, why not? What was your rationale for taking him over Cam Reddish? Just a fear of him going to the wizards. Uh, Yeah. The fear of him going to the wizards. And again, I still have that 10 pick. So I know either Deandre Hunter or Cam Reddish is going to be there. And again, I had them like neck and neck on my draft board. Gotcha, gotcha. Jess, what do you got for pick seven and then pick eight grade-wise? Okay, so first pick seven, going back to Brandon Clark. Um, If you've heard me on previous podcasts, you know that I love Brandon Clark. Um, So I'm totally down with this. I love the idea of him playing for Beeline. Um, Just kind of like a quintessential college guy going to play for someone who, you know, did really well in the college ranks and going to see how he can translate that into the NBA. Um, so also I kind of like it f- for beeline as well, if that makes sense. Um, bringing in a guy, a guy like uh, Brandon Clark. Um, let's see what else. So then moving on to the, the Hawks with Jackson Hayes, I was, I was kind of surprised by this. Um, I guess just not realizing like what Harley's board looked like or whatever, just seeing, um, seeing Hayes go at eight definitely was surprised. Uh, does make sense though, with the rationale of being afraid that the wizards were going to take him. Um, I, I mean, I'm, I'm fine with it. I, you know, hashtag my Hawks, not really, but <laughs> I do love watching them. Um, I think he's a really good addition to them. Um, man, they're just crazy young and, crazy fun to watch um so that's a a really good piece to add yeah i feel like harley's board was just brandon clark in very large font yeah yeah, it's just (laughs) it was uh culver and clark and 
I didn't know who else, you know? I mean, yeah, both in both in real life on my personal board and mine at the Atlanta Hawks, I really <laughs> wanted Brandon Clark. <laughs> <laughs> I really hope he goes there in the real draft. That's that's like the one thing I wish, aside from obviously the Knicks not screwing up their pick. But um, number nine, who had number nine? Quentin. You had the Wizards. I re- I like this pick too. So get into it. So like the the Wizards are weird because historically they're like not great at drafting, but they just cleaned their front office, and we still don't know who the GM is going to be. I think in I think Cam Reddish is going to realistically would be the pick if he's still there. But I want PJ Washington of Kentucky. I just think after they got rid of Otto Porter, that. Big wing, that 3-4 guy, you can kind of see that they really missed him. Um, I think Washington is someone who, had he stayed healthy, we could have been talking about him closer to the top five or six picks. He can space the floor. He can play the three. He can play the four. He showed you that he can thrive in defensive events, good blocks and steal numbers. I think he's somebody who... In the real draft, he's probably going to go closer to 14, 15, 16. And he's going to be one of those players that looks great. But in this draft, I really like him. So I took him at nine for the Wizards. And whatever they figure out between the Brad Beal situation and how they're going to treat this free agency class, at least they have a decent piece in P.J. Washington. And you know what's really funny? that Because we did the mock draft immediately after me and Harley recorded with Cole. And one of the questions I asked him was, who's at the end of the lottery that we're sleeping on? And PJ was his guy. So I really like that pick. I do think him and Beal play really well together. And John Wall, if he ever gets healthy. So, I mean, I like it. Jess, what do you got? Yeah, I mean, I was another one where I was very surprised. Um I think Quinn brought up in the little write-up how he kind of teeters along the small forward slash power forward line. Um, but I think that versatility helps helps the Wizards. Um, but, you know, like Quinn pointed out, I, I don't think this is in reality what would happen, but but I don't hate it. I don't hate it at all. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I like it. Um, moving on to well, you would. You're the Kentucky yeah. guy. That's not fair. Come hey, on. I, I mean, you know what's funny? I, I hated <laughs> PJ Washington because his freshman year he couldn't hit a free throw, and I forgot what. I think it was the game they got eliminated in the tournament. He just bre- I think it was like eleven. Yeah. He was fifty percent from the line, and I was just throwing my phone <laughs> all over the room. <laughs> but yeah, keeps it keeps the cow streak alive too. So that's yeah, another PJ reason improved I love his uh, free throw percentage. He was sixty point six percent his freshman year and sixty six point three his sophomore year. So I do like the improvement there. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, he's a he's a hard worker, and I think coming back was usually Cal tries to force him out the door. I'm happy he didn't do that with PJ for sure. Um, moving on to ten, Harley, back with the Hawks. So this was actually the pick originally from the Dallas Mavericks. Um, so you got to consider that Luca trade that was really Luca for Trey and drumroll Cam Reddish. Uh, Atlanta still gets their pick of the big wing prospects. Um, to me, it, it was like Reddish. This seems like the only place Reddish can really succeed. Like this is his best, not the only place. This is this was like a, a best case scenario for Reddish. Um, he'll have tons of opportunities and a ton of space with Trey Young on the floor. Um, ultimately. What it came down to is that the Hawks trust their scouts read that Cam's struggles shooting at Duke were more slump than full-scale slide. Um, he obviously has amazing shooting form, even though it didn't really pay many dividends in college. Um, hopefully he's able to take that three-point percentage up in the pros. 
Um, and he won't have very many creation responsibilities off the bat, which is great because he was very much not a good creator. Um, but this will allow him to focus on his shooting and also give him the energy to exert on the defensive end where his impact can like actually be felt because um, he'll be covering for Trey Young, who's, you know, as you guys know, one of the worst defenders in the league. Um, but I like it for Atlanta because now they got a nice uh, young lineup of Trey Young, Huerter, who's, you know, n- knockdown shooter, um, Reddish, Collins, and Hayes to run out next year. Um, again, the defense is still a problem right now, um, but Atlanta also owns the 35th, 41st, 41st, and 44th picks in this draft. Um, so as Atlanta, I'd be trying to move those picks to get into the 20s to nab someone like uh, my, te- my main target would be Auburn's Chuma Okiki. You know, he's an amazing team defender. Um, yeah, he can shoot the three a little bit. He's been expanding his range. But uh, yeah, that'd be the main target to kind of shore up the defense. Um, if he's not there, maybe I try to just use two of those three picks and move up for, you know, Washington's Matisse Thibault. Um, but I'm not super eager to do that because I think one of, uh, Charles Matthews or well, Charles Matthews will definitely be there after his, after his recent injury, which was very unfortunate. That um, sucked. Yeah. That was really sad. Um, but it also means he might be on the board at 55 for the Knicks. Who knows? Yes. Um, hopefully. Yeah. But yeah. So, I mean, I think that Atlanta with one of those picks could get one of Daquan Jeffries or Charles Matthews. So I wouldn't be eager to move up for Thibel. Um, but I, I personally love Thibel. Um, but I think their main target is is Okiki to shore up to shore up that defense. Do you like Okiki at seventeen? Because they did get the seventeenth pick in that Allen Crab deal. That's right. It's a little bit high. I would try to trade to maybe trade back into the twenties. But honestly, if he's your guy, you take him. If you if you can't find any any serious seriously good offers, you take him there. Gotcha, gotcha. And Quentin, you passed on Cam Reddish. Was it just the cesspool that is the Wizards, or is it more PJ's a more solid or more like? <laughs> More bankable, bankable prospect. prospect. I like Cam. I actually think he. I think I would give the Hawks like if I was grading, I would give the Hawks an A plus if they came out with Cam and Clark at the draft because I just think Reddish needs to go to a system and an organization that's going to put their trust in him and they're going to have the spacing to make him uh, play better and thrive. I, I think this is a good pick for them. For the Wizards, because there's so much uncertainty, I think Cam could get lost in the shuffle a bit. Kind of a little bit to what Troy Brown, uh, Troy Brown from last year uh, suffered. So a little combination of both. Yeah, it's a good fact. I completely forgot Troy Brown was on the team. So <laughs> that's perfect. <laughs> um, Jess, what do you got? Hey, look, what if Cam Reddish proves everyone wrong? I'll be happy for him. I'm rooting for him. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I don't like rooting for Duke guys, but at that point he won't be a Duke guy anymore. Um, You know, throw him in a gym with Herder, my City Rock 518 brethren, and, uh, you know, get that... Get that thing locked down and uh, see what happens. I mean, I think, like Harley said, I... Of all the options, this is probably my favorite for Cam to go to. He won't, you know, I don't think he'd get lost in the shuffle. He'd be able to go in and just kind of do what he does, not have to facilitate, um, and hopefully hopefully get his shooting back on track. Yeah, I think here are the Lakers would probably be the only places I feel comfortable with Cam reaching his offensive potential. Because Lonzo's another one where I feel like he's not I think I still like Trey a little more than Lonzo overall, but I still think they're very similar in that they could put Cam in the best positions to succeed. But um next up, Eli. 
What'd you do with uh, who'd you have at eleven? You had the Timberwolves. I had the Timberwolves, and I took DeAndre Hunter out of Virginia. Uh, he's our big faller down the draft board. He's projected like he's mocked to go as high as four or five, but he falls to eleven here, and I don't think that that's entirely unrealistic. Uh, you know, he's older. I think he's a great defender, but he, I see him as more of like a two to four position defender, not a five position defender. You know, he's six seven. He's long. Uh, he can shoot. I think he gives Minnesota a lot of what they need. They need, they need shooting. They need defense. They need, you know, just high intensity, high energy guys. And I think that Robert Covington is the perfect mentor for him. So the the Timberwolves have a lot of needs right now. They need a, a starting point guard who's better than Jeff Teague. They arguably need a starting power forward who's better than Dario Saric. Although I do, you know, I like Saric and Cat offensively. Uh, so this doesn't fit one of those needs necessarily, but I think it gives them a really good piece. And I think that between him and Covington and Akoji, and if you want to throw Wiggins in there, you could. I probably won't, but it gives them a lot of athletic, energetic wings that can really, you know, you can do a lot of fun stuff with that. And I think that Covington's contract is one of the best contracts in the league. So if Hunter really, you know, shows you something that rookie year, then I think you can probably use Covington to get one of those pieces that they really need uh, and kind of fill out the roster from there. But I, I think that he gives them a nice piece. I think he's perfect next to Cat. And I think that having as much defense around Andrew Wiggins as possible is the way to go. Yeah, I think I, I love the pick. I think this, if this were to happen, which I do think I, there is a path where this happens, it could be similar to Shea falling all the way down to, I think he fell down to the same exact spot or 12, where after the draft, we're like, how the hell did this happen? Yeah, you know, the draft is so focused on age, and I think that it's really easy for a guy like Hunter to fall, especially since he doesn't have a ton of, like, off-the-dribble capabilities. But, I mean, you put him around scores. Like, Cat is just one of the most gifted scorers from a big-man position that we've seen in years, and I think that I think that Hunter could just open things up even more for him. Uh, Jess, what do you got? I know you're a big uh, DeAndre Hunter fan. I am. I am. You know, uh, now whenever I think of, of Hunter, I just think of that championship game and he just absolutely took control. Um, do really like the idea of him kind of learning from Robert Covington a little bit. Um, the idea of him next to cat. Um, yeah, I mean, I, going into, I guess, if you had asked me like right after that national championship game, I would have guessed he was going to go a lot higher than this. But as you guys pointed out, it's very possible that this happens. Um, and yeah, it's, I, man, I don't know. I just really like him. So yeah, I'm all good with it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's not, there's really not much complaints as Eli said, he's projected to go as high as four. So to get him at 11 to steal. Um, moving on next, we have the Hornets. I had them and my whole thinking going into this is who can they take that? We're going to look at who went right after them and say the Hornets should have taken them. So I took Sekou. The French connection was a big plus for me. I know. Well, now Parker retired today. So that kind of foiled my plans a little bit, but 
Nick Batum's still there. Sekou's extremely raw, so I don't expect him to play next year all that much. And I think Batum is like the perfect mentor, so he could help him adjust from France to the USA as well as from the French League to the NBA. As we saw with Frank, it took or it's still taking quite a while for him to get into the groove. So maybe Sekou learning under Batum for a year or two could help bring him up to the play that he's supposed to be. They're just trying to bring back that French equilibrium now that Parker's gone. Yeah, you need two French guys in Charlotte, always. <laughs> Apparently. Um, I do really like his, um, I think, the the biggest potential I see for him off the bat is probably, you know, a 3 and D type of guy. Um, and, yeah, being under Batum is not not the worst scenario for him at all. Um so yeah, I I'm down with it. Is anybody high on Seiko here? I I haven't really seen him that much, but is his potential appeal to anyone here? The potential does for sure. I don't know how real it is, but I mean he's got flashes of all the things you'd want from a modern three four guy. It's just, you know, the question of can he put it all together on a consistent basis when the competition gets even higher. But he can handle the ball, he can get out and push it on the break. I think he's got a lot of skills that you're looking for from those positions in 2019. Yeah, and I think the Hornets, I mean, they're they're kind of like in the weird middle. Like if they sign Kemba, they they might be better off taking a win now guy. But right now, I would, I would, I mean, if Kemba's smart, he leaves Charlotte, in my opinion. So I feel like a full rebuild should be in order for them. So that that was another rationale for. Going with this guy for the international guy of mystery. But, um, yeah, so let's move on to 13. I think, Quentin, that was your pick? That was me. Yeah, who'd you go with? So the Miami Heat have some of the worst contracts in the league. So I just decided to take somebody who has a little bit of upside so that they can uh, groom him, bring him into the system for a year or two before letting him loose. And I went with Kevin Porter Jr., uh, Lethal score, someone who's a solid creator. I'm with Richardson and Winslow there. There may not be a ton of minutes available for him right away. Although I can I can see Spo running something like Winslow, Porter Jr. and Richardson together if Porter catches up quickly. But he's the probably has the highest upside left in the draft at this stage, and I think he makes a lot of sense for the Heat. Absolutely love that pick, and I love that you took a player that the Hornets will 100% regret not taking. <laughs> He'd be kind of perfect for the Hornets, to be honest. So, He'd be a nice fit. Yeah. Yeah, he could create for himself, especially if Kemba leaves. I think there'll be a lot of shots available for him. But for Miami, I'm happy he goes there because if there's one organization I trust with developing their guys, it's the Heat. So I feel like Pat Riley will get up, Spo and Riley will get him into Miami Heat shape or whatever they call it. And they ran out a lot said, of lineups so near the end of the like year this. with Winslow as the point guard. He was, you know, proved himself to be a pretty solid creator too. So I could definitely see it working out. Yeah, I love it, Jess. What do you got for uh, Quentin? Yeah, and then uh, like Carly was saying, maybe you could even near the end of next season move KPJ into that role, seeing if he can facilitate as well. Um, 
with the rationale of trying to just trying to go a lot of upside, I like it. Um, it's, you know, this draft is, is weird. Like you could go a bunch of different ways, but I do like going the upside route and, uh, KPJ definitely gives that to you. Definitely. Definitely. All right. So finishing it up, Harley, you had the 14th pick, the final pick of the lottery. This is somebody that's like, of course he went to the Celtics. Um, (laughs) Grant Williams out of Tennessee. He's such a Celtic. I mean, so he's a smart power forward. You know, he has really good instincts for passing. He's really strong, um, really good instincts on the defensive end. Um, And usually when someone is just like a smart passer, that translates to being a smart, like a team defender. Um, He has a lot of shooting upside too. Um, I know it's just workout videos, but I saw him hit like 15 in a row in one video from deep. Um, And he has decent form. Um, his physical profile is not the best because he's a little bit small for his position, but he uses his strength like really, really well to find angles to get off shots. Like he's a super versatile scorer within 15 feet. Like he uses like face ups, post ups. Like he can kind of just like squeeze the ball in against bigger guys because he just like throw a little shoulder or a little hip at the right spot and just create that little window for himself to score. Um, yeah, I mean he's the type of guy. Like the Celtics run out the type of system that'll allow him to flourish. Like he can directly play to his strengths and sort of um, more organically refine his weaknesses on the Celtics. Um, He's kind of their Al Horford insurance, right? They play a little bit similarly. Obviously, Al Horford has more, at least at this level, you know, more defensive versatility right now. But Grant Williams looks like a type of guy who can get there. I'm not sure he'll ever be able to bang with Joel Embiid um, unless, you know, he puts on, you know, a Giannis-level workout routine. But, um yeah, I mean, he, to me, he's a he's a more mobile version of Al Horford. He still needs to get his shot up there, um, but he's he's in a great spot to develop. I hate I hate you for making this pick for them. This he he'd be so good. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, I like I like Jonte Porter for them as well. Um, similar type of you know smart passing big, but that's you know later in the draft. The Celtics have a bunch of picks. Stop it. Stop it. But if if the Celtics landed both Grant Williams and Jonte Porter, I mean somebody said this about the Spurs because the Spurs in in Vicini's latest mock draft got both Grant Williams and Porter, and they're like, and somebody tweeted out this. They're like, yo, the NBA deserves what's coming to them if they let those two guys both go to both go to the Spurs, and I feel the same way about them both going to the Celtics. Yeah, and the Celtics are without a main guy anymore, uh, creating creating offense now that Kyrie's all but gone. So I feel like Grant would be a big role in learning under Horford. No brainer. Yeah, uh, isn't Horford a free agent this summer, or has a, he has a player option? Uh, he, yeah, he has a player option uh, for thirty mil. 30 mil but yeah. I mean, he's gonna take that for sure. <laughs> he might just do it. I could see him doing a cancer where he's like, I don't want to stay, but yeah. it's 30 and also mil. like Grant Williams, he's a power forward right now. Um, so they, they would look right. pretty good out there together. Yeah. Really good passing. Um, anyone that fell out of the lottery that you guys felt should have went any surprises? I really like Goga Padidze, uh, or Pitadze. I'm not exactly sure how to pronounce his last name, uh, but the center coming over from Europe. Uh, I'm not sure where he goes in this particular mock draft, but, I really think that Atlanta should be considering him with that Jackson Hayes pick. Uh, but that said, it's hard to fault the Hayes pick. Uh, but I just think he's really interesting. He can shoot. He can block shots. He's got really slow feet, so that worries me. But I would be interested in either Atlanta or Boston taking a swing at him. I think he really fits what both of those teams are trying to do. 
that said, Grant Williams seems like one of the safest bets in this draft. And like, like Harley said, he is the perfect Boston Celtic. Yeah, he is. And I do like, I like Goga for the Hawks a lot. Cause I feel like, I feel like Collins could also shield him on defense or like you kind of hide him. Cause I know he's not going to be good on the perimeter. Um, Harley, what do you say? I mean, I didn't. I didn't think Collins was a really a great defender last year. Like he had some flashy blocks, but his actually, his block and steal percentages were like his block percentages was like would would be like bad for a guard. Really? Like, uh, yeah, wow. he wasn't he wasn't actually a great defender, but he did get some flashy plays that made highlights. But um, part of my Jackson Hayes pick was when I was thinking about, hey, I need someone to cover for Collins. Like, I hope he becomes the guy that can cover for him. Interesting. Wow. Um, yeah, you're right. Fuck. He had point six blocks per game. Yeah, he was he was pretty abysmal down there. But I mean, again, he made some like real highlight, real blocks, like pin against the backboard type things. So right. it's easy for the perception to be different. Yeah, I mean, league, yeah, league pass wise, he's he's a phenomenal watch. Now, do you yeah. think he could grow into like at least a guy that could guard on the perimeter versus? I know Goga was a little slow footed, like Eli said. So maybe I'd be pretty worried about a dif- about a defensive uh, front court of Collins and Goga. Right. Okay. Fair enough. Um, anyone else? One of Monsieur Little and Romeo Langford could sneak back into the back of the lottery. I'm not the biggest fan of either of them, but the Hornets have a reputation of with their first round pick taking a big school player. And if they don't take someone like Seku, I can certainly see them uh, getting all the intel they can on Nasir Little and possibly making him the selection there. Yeah, that's a very good catch because who would they take over the draft that they try to move up? Al Kaminsky. Like, what the fuck? Like, yeah. <laughs> that was such a I forgot who it was, but they put, they put all the Hornets draft picks, like, on a piece of paper. And they're all big-name school guys. I think I think we did – I think uh, – Gideon did a podcast a while ago with the Hornets writer, and he mentioned how they basically go after those not high upside guys, but those high floor guys. And I, I could see them talking themselves into Langford or Little, maybe even KPJ as a high floor wing. Listen, they spent uh, the number two overall pick on Michael Kidd Grilchrist, and then two years later, or one year later, spent the number four pick on Cody Zeller. So I mean, there it is, right that there. Zeller pick was, yeah, that was gross. Nasty. That was gross. At least MKG was. Boy, he's a Jersey guy, so I'm gonna be biased, but at least he was like one of the better defenders when he played in college. Like, what was Zeller really good at? Like to go fourth. Like, wow, that's almost as bad as the Kaminsky pick. I think it's the Kaminsky pick is actually worse. They didn't take the four picks from the Celtics. It's- and, That's just gross. <laughs> like, come, <laughs> to come to New York. Uh, I don't want to, save yourself. I don't want to bring the whole podcast down, but uh, I don't know if we're watching ESPN. But that news is not good. Uh, what happened? You can break the news. Bob Myers just went to the podium and uh, he said it's an Achilles injury for Kevin Durant. The MRI tomorrow, but it's a it is an Achilles injury. So. Uh... I think that I mean I, I mean I still think the Knicks max him out, and I would I don't even think AD about it. AD will be lying in wake for him after he misses next year. <laughs> yeah, just just take him. Yeah, max yeah, him. Maybe hopefully they get him next year. Just take him. My fear is he's going to want to resign, but actually no, he wouldn't. Why would you want to stay with the Warriors and sit for a yeah. full year? A lot of people are saying he should opt in, which I don't get. 
I mean, I would take him. I would just wonder what's your. I would just wonder what's your next moves oh, yeah. from taking the thirty-one-year-old guy coming off an Achilles. Like, do you still do that, Anthony Davis trade? Do you still pursue a second guy, or are you trying to get a bunch of guys who can maximize their roles, and then when he comes in, you have just a bunch of pieces? I don't know. I. Uh... Maybe the question my is, thing can is, Knicks fans handle one more year of tanking while KD right. rests up. Exactly. So yeah, I don't know what I mean. I don't buy the Kawhi KD thing, especially if the Raptors win. Do you gamble on AD being traded in a Kawhi scenario and hitting free agency next summer? I don't know how likely that is because I feel like the Lakers are See, gonna pretty damn hard if... for AD until he's theirs. It's tough now, but if if someone else trades for Anthony Dave, Anthony Davis, let's say like the Blazers do, the only team I see getting him in free agency next year is the Clippers because they're the only team that I feel like can sit there and actually organize themselves to make a proper free agency pitch. Like the Lakers, if they don't get him this summer, they are not getting him. The Lakers cannot afford to waste another year. They just can't do it. And plus they have Brandon Ingram coming up on a new contract. So it's just like... I think the Lakers, by hook or by crook, is either going to trade for Conley. They're going to do something. So it's an interesting risk to take with Anthony Davis, just trading him, getting him in the building, knowing that Kevin Durant's coming on the way. You'll have 25 games maybe of just him and Anthony Davis playing together, and we can see what's going on there. But you also also might be bad. Yeah, and for the the Knicks side, do you – yeah, so – do you think the Clip- I think the Clippers could remain competitive next year while the Knicks, if it's just RJ Barrett, I mean obviously yeah. well, if you get Davis, RJ Barrett's not even there, so it's not even an argument. Now I'm thinking about it. So yeah, I mean, yeah, I think the Clippers are still a threat this year too to trade from, but like you said, Lakers are the most desperate. I mean, I, I think that we have people everyone's saying that the Lakers have a better like trove of assets than us, but like we do have seven first round picks in the next five years. Like if we wanted to be stupid and go all out, like we could push all our chips to the middle, you know, like just even having those picks in the first place gives us a ton to work with. It's just how much they're willing to part with. Um, but they definitely have an equal trove. What do you guys think about like, like if you had to rank the Lakers assets, I think it's Lonzo Ingram and then a huge drop off to, well, the fourth pick is up there, but player wise, it's Ingram Lonzo. And then it's I think a huge Kuzma's drop-off perception Kuzma. around the league is a little bit higher than that. Yeah. Um, but I kind of, dis- I kind of disagree with perception around the league. I think, Ingram and like I think Ingram's a like a slight level above Lonzo, but I can see Lonzo ending up better for sure. Um, I think Ingram's the most valuable chip, then Lonzo, and again perception of Kuzma is that he's right, he's almost there with them, but I think he's pretty far below them in actuality. I think Ingram's the best asset of the group. However, he's third to me only because if you're New Orleans, do you want to max him out? Like, do you if you're if you're New Orleans, that's why I don't understand keeping Drew Holiday. That's why it's kind of tough for me seeing a third team really jump into this uh, equation for the Pelicans because unless they really want to uh, lower their flexibility around Zion and Drew, I just don't get. I just don't. I just don't see them trading for someone who makes a lot of money. So for me, it's like the fourth pick, Lonzo, then Ingram makes a bunch of sense. That's why I think the Knicks deal makes a lot of sense because the Knicks give you similar talent and there's no one in that group who you you're really paying more than six million to over the next two years you get Ingram, you have to max him out so this is actually interesting i was listening to to woge went on espn today and he was talking about that the um pelicans kind of are, are interested in getting a third team in on the deal 
and sending over assets from the Lakers or Knicks or whoever else and or, or sending over players and acquiring assets long term. Um, so I'm not sure when it comes to Ingram, if it's more like how much do other teams value him? How many, you know, are they willing to give up, you know, a first rounder and a player for Ingram? And like, and I think those are the assets that'll transfer to the Pelicans. I, I'm not sure the Pelicans personally value Ingram like that, but another team might be willing to give up something serious that ends up on the Pelicans mm-hmm. if the Lakers were to include Ingram. Yeah, and I don't, I don't think it was kind of like the argument like with the Nets fans. Like, I think Nets fans are delusional if they think a sign and trade with D'Lo to New Orleans is going to happen. Because another that's another guy. Are you really sure you want to max him out when you could just do a clear rebuild with mm-hmm. Zion? And then another the, the other thing is with Drew Holiday, I thought he would be kind of like how Billups was with the Carmelo deal where you just want to clear that cap space, period. So I was kind of hoping he would come along with AD if the Knicks were to give the farm for him. If I'm New Orleans, I would just take Zion at one, try to find the best long-term group of assets for Anthony Davis, whether you think that's the Tatum package or anything. I don't want another pick. And then I would trade Drew Holiday to either Chicago or Phoenix for their pick and see what I can get from them. I think if you put Holiday on the market, you can get something good for him. I just, I don't know. I just think whenever you get a guy like Zion, I want to clear the books. I want to I want to see what I have first, and then I want to build. Drew Holiday, as much as I like him, I think he's an underrated player. He has had injuries in the past, and he's one injury away. Unfortunately, a lot of people are, but he's an injury. He's a pre-existing injury away from being a negative contract. I love, I love him on the Suns. I think he caps off. I mean, the Suns, the medical team, I don't know if it's the still same medical team, but I know everyone that used to go there was like Grant Hill magically started playing again. So him there, plus the combo of him being a defensive-minded guy with Booker, I love that. So maybe they do flip him for the sixth pick. That, that's pretty interesting now that you mentioned yeah, that. Yeah, and maybe you can get Garland. Maybe you can get, I don't know, maybe you take Clark. Maybe you take Clark and oh you get Clark and Zion knowing that you're going to move Anthony Davis and a lot of these deals. <laughs> A lot of these deals are like guard orientated. That would be crazy. Zion and Clark are the same team. Don't put these ideas in my head. Point Zion. Give me Zion and point guard and Brandon Clark. Give me that pick and roll. Hoops fans, dreams everywhere. Oh my god. Oh my god. Mike, I do have one more potential guy that could maybe slide into the. To the lottery here. I've seen him kind of around the 15 to 18 range, so you never know. Um, just wanted to mention him. Uh, Nikhil Alexander Walker from Virginia Tech. Um, I've been watching some more film on him lately. I think he was like a, I think it was 16 points, four rebounds, four assists guy. Um, has a ton of playmaking in him, I think. Uh, I think he's like 20 years old. He was a sophomore in this past year. Um, so just another guy to keep up keep an eye on in the late, yeah, he's been a, later part of the lottery. I, guess, for sure. I don't know what the best way to describe him, but everyone's had differing opinions on him. I'm drawing a blank on the adjective I'm looking for, but everyone's been like very for him or very against him. I haven't seen him that much outside of the Duke games. So I don't really have much of a strong of opinion. Either way. Yeah. I didn't see a ton of them during the season for sure. Um, had to go back and check out some, some of the old, games but uh 
Yeah, we'll see. I mean, he shot really well on three-pointers in high volume. Um, and I was reading something recently about, or I don't think it was, it was like a, a tweet thread about how high volume um, is ended, can end up being more predictive for a shooting for shooting success than actual percentage. Um, but yeah, he was on like 4.6 three-point attempts. He shot 39% last year, 37.5% yeah, and this he year had that, deep. He has like this one pass where he whips it to the corner. That's the only highlight I've seen consistently of him. Another guy um, that I think might somebody might take a chance on. I was thinking maybe Charlotte would, um, but they kind of they already have bridges. Um, but I was thinking about Rui Hachimura Hachimara. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not his biggest fan, but he is still really new to the bat to the game of basketball. Like he's pretty raw. Like what was he? he hadn't picked up a ball till like four or five years ago or something. Um, so I do think it's easier to create new habits than to break bad ones. Um, and he's still pretty moldable. Like you think about, obviously this isn't a player comp, but you think about how Joel Embiid um, before he came to college was so unrefined. Um, and he just like really hadn't played basketball for very long, was able to just pick it up pretty easily. So I do think there is potential for him. And I thought he might've been a smart pick for Charlotte. Um, but yeah, I mean, they kind of plays the same position as Bridges. So I don't know. Yeah. And then I think, uh, I think Quentin or Eli mentioned Romeo Langford. I think it was Eli. Romeo, he was one of my favorite players to watch. So I could definitely see like a team like the Hornets maybe going with him because I know Monk hasn't really worked out for them. Maybe they're not sold on Kemba. I mean, maybe Kemba's gone, obviously. So the self-creators could be in their way. But anything else? We're all good here? All right, man. So This is fun. Yeah, definitely. Make sure you follow. First, we'll go down the whole list. Quentin, follow him at HanesXIV on Twitter. Make sure you follow Eli. I was about to say the Half Court Press. I'm glad I looked it up. It's T and then Half Court Press. So thanks for joining you two. It's been great. Hopefully you guys can come on again. For sure. Yeah, thanks uh, for having no me. And then great. make sure you follow Jess at jryan44 and Harley at Harley Geffner. Thank you for having us. So, yeah, no, thanks. And then make sh- make sure you guys follow the Knicks Wall podcast. Their last Thanks, episode included Paul Pierce shitting himself, so that was a fun story. <laughs> um, yeah, and there's great profiles. I mentioned Quentin's on Job Morant. Uh, Harley, is yours on Culver yes, coming I out so. soon? I have to check and read about that. <laughs> uh, Eli, you have anything coming up? I got a profile on Jackson Hayes coming out oh, next week. Perfect. Next week? All right, yeah, so look out for that for sure. Um, yeah, so just follow next one on Twitter, TKW Podcast on Twitter, and yeah, until next week. Hey, no, 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 no.